Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. As usual, I'm your host, Zach Darnell. I want to thank you so much for spending time listening to the stories that we've been sharing. If this is your first time listening to Behind the Product, go back to episode one, which is technically the second one that we released, and uh, go back and listen to some of our previous shows. I think you'll really enjoy them. For today's show, I've got a brand new co-host, Chelsea Christian. Chelsea is a senior interaction designer here at SEP, and she spends a lot of her time bringing up a ton of tools to help our clients solve their problems within software products. And for today's show, she helped our guest, Rick Sansone, tell his story. Now, Rick is a user experience designer at Delta Fawcett. Rick got his interest in user experience and research at Apple many years ago, and has since then spent time at a few other places like Edible Arrangements to Pratt & Whitney, honing those skills in different areas. I want to thank Rick and Chelsea for spending time sharing their experiences and the things that you've learned along the way. So I hope you enjoy the show. Let's dive in. Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SEP, where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more. And we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. Well, you know what, Rick? First of all, thank you for being willing to do this and spend some time with us. As we were kind of just talking a minute ago, let's talk about some of your early experience. So, you know, you previously worked with Pratt & Whitney, uh, Edible Arrangements, and spent some time at Apple. And it sounds like you kind of kicked off your maybe user experience and design career at your time at Apple. Is that right? Yeah. It, yes. Yes. And Tell me about that. Sure. <laughs> I would love to. I didn't know it at the time when I was there that what I was experiencing was user experience. Basically, the store I worked at was in uh, New York City in Manhattan in uh, downtown in Soho. And on the second floor, they had a 70-seat theater, and you could come by any time of day to go to workshops. Now, they have these in other Apple stores too, but like mall ones, you gather around the table, and now they've got these kind of really uncomfortable crates and a big screen and you can go in and learn about anything. But we had really nice kind of theater seats and a huge screen and we had the microphone headset Oh, cool! and you could come by. Yeah, totally free. It was cool. And basically, you know, I have a theatrical background, so I have no problem getting up in front of people and speaking. And you could come by anytime during the day and learn about anything. You'd look at the schedule on the website. I want to learn about my iPhone. I want to learn about how to do Final Cut Pro editing, which is pretty high end. But there were basics too. Hey, you just bought a Mac. Here's the basics of it. And um, that was really great. In the evenings, the store would have special events with the marketing and product placement department in the corporate level of Apple. And if you saw a TV show, a movie, that included people using iPhones or Macs. Chances are we were going to promote that in some way. Um, like Joel and Ethan Cohen were the first movie makers to use Final Cut Pro and put a movie out in the theaters using that. So the, they were always in the store. And we just had all people like at that level coming by. There were live music events as well with uh, promoting uh, iTunes stores. Uh, you know, when, the, when an album would come out, on iTunes and somebody would want to come by and promote it, uh, they would perform. 
And it could get pretty crazy with crowds coming in to see these celebrities. Uh, it would just be, the place would be packed. We'd have to there were there were lines around the store, and they weren't for phones. They were there to see. And sometimes when a new phone would come out and people were waiting in line, then you would have a big event, and there'd be another line of people to manage. It got pretty it got pretty crazy. As a matter of fact, one time, um, and it's a story that was told to me was um, there was a new iPhone out like the day before. And, you know, this is going back a ways, you know, and Paris Hilton is at the height of her whatever. And she came in for a genius bar appointment with her phone. And as she's walking by this huge line, you know, somebody's kind of helping her in so she doesn't get mopped. She goes, how did all these people know I had a genius bar appointment? And they're like, no, they're here. Actually, no, they're here for the for OS 10 Leopard. It was a new OS. It wasn't even oh, a wow. phone. <laughs> they were lined up for that. So yeah, there's just tons of uh, stories and it was a great experience. Speaking of experience, when I was teaching and learning, whenever there was a software update to any of the devices, you'd ha we'd have to learn it on the fly. They wouldn't give us an advanced copy or anything. It would be like, hey, we just pushed, you know what it's like. We pushed this update. Here are some new features. We'd learn them on the fly. We'd read the website out and we'd go right on the stage and teach them. And every time there was some sort of update, I mean, I was a fan and a user too of these devices. And I would say, okay, I don't like that change. Well, wait a minute. This is actually, this one's actually much better. And the ones I wasn't crazy about just because it changed my habit a little bit, I would know it by the end of the day. I would get used to it within less than a day sometimes and I'd be fine with it and I wouldn't think about it again. It just became, and I was started to be curious, like, how do they do this? How do they do the, get things right? How do they, I wouldn't even have thought of this. How do they know? And what is this called? So, you know, time goes by. Uh, there was another person that worked in the theater there for the events and the, uh, the workshops. And we became friends. We ended up getting married. And as we were dating, she said, you know, user experience. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a lot of people that we know, friends of ours that work there that ended up getting married. There's got to be at least like 10 couples I can name right now. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it is it's, it's pretty funny. So she said, you know, you should look at uh, UX, user experience, because she was taking some coding classes at this place. And they go, the place I'm going is really good. You should learn this because, you know, we're going to settle down and have kids and we got to get out of this tiny Manhattan apartment and <laughs> give a better quality of life because I'm not carrying strollers up subway stairs. I'm like, you, you, you're, you're darn tootin', honey. So... <laughs> So I studied UX and I realized that all that stuff that in Apple that I was like, what is this? How do they know? Well, that's how they know, even though they, at the time they were claiming like, we don't have a UX team. We don't do that. We just, we just know, <laughs> you know, that kind of secretive type of thing. And um, so that started, that's how that started off. And it was, it was great. It's, it's fascinating to me to find out what human behavior is. And I'm, I certainly don't have a psychologist or sociologist background, but, you know, these testing methods uh, that I learned that I put into place, um, I love it. I love seeing the results and what's interesting. And um, uh, Chelsea will attest to this, that recent tests have shown that people just don't read either. They don't want to read or they don't comprehend enough. As soon as they read something, they they lose it. So we'll, we'll give instructions to do a certain test of a certain flow and they'll read it and we'll watch them read it on the video capture. And then they go into the flow and it's like, they didn't even read it. 
like, like, well, I'm not sure where to go. And I'm like the first step told you some people even skip step one. It's, it's a little strange. It's not everybody, but it's common enough to identify a trend and it's okay in the designs that we're actually going to put forth in whatever we're, a website or whatever we're building is let's strip out as much text as possible. Let's put something there that's, you know, friendly and brand centric as possible, but let's pull out as many words as we can. Let's try to do something visual as well as cutting the text down because that's just the way things are now. People want to look and move on. Well, I love that you, you know, you're talking about like your experience at the Apple store and and really as a user of their their products and how seamlessly they they integrated into they integrated changes into user behavior. I mean, I I, I love the observation and just that being like, oh wow, this is the thing that I'm going to hone in on. So fast forward for me just a few years, your edible arrangement starting to maybe apply some of these things that you've you know been learning about and experienced. Tell me a little bit about that experience. That was interesting because uh, I primarily worked on kind of behind the scenes internal programs and software initiatives that they wanted to do for the staff that worked there. And then the people that were franchisees that bought into the company and had locations. And one of the things was they have a way to order their stuff, anything that's not fruit, anything that they wanted to order, uh, you know, hats for the staff and knives and food prep tables, all yeah, that yeah, kind just of the things they need to like put the th- stuff together. Exactly. Uh, that was a, a very old site. So it was basically bringing in the UX to the company and saying, let's interview who wants to be interviewed, put it out there. What do you want? What are you looking for? How do you want to order this? And, and from there, you know, with the insights that that was something that was improved, they definitely wanted on mobile because some people were they owned more than one store and some of these stores were miles away. And there was, I, I spent two or three days a week traveling and I would love to be able to just look at my phone and say, Hey, you know, this location in this town needs some more napkins or whatever it was. And they could just do it right there. That was an interesting part of that. And meeting a bunch of different people from different walks of life that owned those stores. There's also the opportunity to realize that being like a, a UX person for the research was to educate people. And it was one thing that I learned as I was learning UX is you have to become an evangelist and you have to kind of explain to a lot of people what it is. A lot of people will think that it's just UI, user interface design, or quote unquote, making it look pretty, unquote. And that's where I started to put together actually a presentation on just that. I took some of what I learned when I was learning it. I took real life situations. I found some humorous examples. I found some kind of frightening examples of what bad UX is kind of at a high level and getting a little deeper. And I realized that there are a lot of people that you talk to, that you present your designs to that are very managerial and numbers based, that are bottom line based, that they want to see the ROI, the value of it. and there are stats on that that you can find. And, and uh, I put those in there as well saying, you know, hey, you want to pay this much after the thing launches and everybody uses your site or your app and, and gives it a bad rating? Or do you want to take care of this now before anybody sees it, before it even gets coded and developed? Let's, let's take care of this as much as possible. 
And uh, th- basically that presentation, I would invite people to lunch and learns. I've used it at Pratt and Whitney. I've done it here at, uh, at Delta. I'm about to do it again for a different team. It's October. So it'll be uh, next week or the week after here at Delta, there'll be another, I just call it, what is UX? And here's the answer, <laughs> you know, and I liken it too to actual just experiences in general, you know, early on, I mentioned that, you know, you go to a Broadway show, that's an experience. There are people that are timing the lighting and the costumes and the staging and the sound and everything is there to give you that feeling, communicate that message that they want to give you. Uh, theme parks, of course, there's a reason why the gift shops are right when you exit that thrilling ride. Uh, part of them. So that's where a stakeholder goal would meet a user goal. You know, the user's having a great time and they want to bring a souvenir home and the stakeholder wants them to buy stuff. So let's put the gift shop right where it is. You know, restaurants, certain like better restaurants, even even lower end. Uh, we were just kind of joking around about fast food, but they everything's laid out. You know, everything's laid out. There's nothing, not too much is by accident in some of these places and a lot of the places where they throw it together haphazard are going to, are going to fail, you know, if they don't consider. So what you're talking about here, as you, as you list these examples of sort of being a evangelist for UX, what is that? What, what do you think it usually um, gains at the other end after you have helped people understand this, what kinds of reactions do you typically see and why does it keep you moving? Like what's motivating about being a UX evangelist? It's motivating to me. So when I do actually present something like um, research and the reasons behind we did what we did to, or I did what I did to change the design and change something that they thought was fine. You get the reasons behind it. They understand more. They understand more of what you do. They understand the why behind it. It clears up a lot of misconceptions they have. They start to see the value in it, uh, you know, because I've been in meetings before where I start like a UX based workshop to find something out. And there'll be somebody from development there that says, why are we doing this? You know, that mindset of get it code and get it out because, you know, the CEO is going to scream and yell, whatever, you know. So it's basically showing the value and clarifying what we do and and making connections, you know, the, it, touch points throughout the company, people who sit in different seats might say, hey, I'm using this internal thing. And I know, you know, I went to that thing about what UX is. And I think I'm, I'm going to call Rick and see if he can help with this, you know. It makes you available as a resource, it seems. Exactly. Yeah. Do you, do you liken that to like your connection with doing UX research? Yeah, basically, it's like, you know, people have been in situations where, like I just said, they'll have a development team and it's just like, oh, somebody can't do this. It's like they they won't do any research and they'll just say, okay, I think I think this button needs to be blue and not green. And they'll just do that. And they're really not fixing the under. They're not finding the underlying problem. Even users might not know what the of, of existing software. You know, they might not even know what the underlying problem is because they don't think about it. They're just in there and they're wondering and they get frustrated and they know maybe on the surface what it, what it is. But once you start asking more people and start to identify trends, you can really find, I, I've done that before too. It was like, you know, I found out that it wasn't the problem that the, the 
owner of the software came up and asked me to fix. It's like, well, we're having a problem. It's a drop off in this entry form here. And then when I talk to people using it, I'm like, yeah, dude, this is other things. And he, he, he was like, that's a can of worms. That's a lot more than I thought. So we're going to stop right here before we go off and spend money fixing something that didn't need to be the problem. So, you know, and that's the goal too. It's like you, you can, you're saving money and you're saving time, not only with the result at the end that gets coded and put out there because you've done the research, but you're saving people from going down the wrong path. So when you have competing business goals with user experience, or even like um, there are some user uh, user situations or scenarios that haven't been like mapped into the business goals. Uh, what do you typically do when you have a conflict there of interest? Have you experienced that? Well, between like users and the stakeholder goals? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's basically saying, you know, the users want this or we found out this. How do you align the solution with the stakeholder goals? And how do you make sure that the stakeholders' goals are really aligned to the user goals as well? It's about sharing information. It's basically yeah. being, being that messenger and say, hey, my only stake in this is doing a, a good job for you. You know, I don't have any other, it's usually software. I'm never going to own an edible arrangements franchise. Right. I just want to make the people that do make everything easier for them. And I, I want the, uh, on the other end, the, the corporate folks to be happy with that too, that, you know, that's, it's not frustrating on either side. So it's about, it's, I like it to a Venn diagram right in the middle, the, right in the middle of the Venn diagram, where is the sweet spot that both of them are coming together and everybody's happy. Everybody's getting their goals met. So it's like, okay, if you pivot you know, you kind of convince the stakeholders to pivot. Heck, you don't. It's the data and how you present it and how you communicate it. We can meet your goals, but you're going to have to adjust a little bit because these users are not interested in endless pop-ups on your, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. Yeah, I love the idea that you, it's this like this intersection, just really bringing two groups of people together and finding the things that you know where they can meet each other. Uh, I'm curious, you know, just some of like again jumping ahead even further. And some of the things that you're working on right now at you know at a, at a company that focuses mostly, at least to my knowledge, on on fixtures, you know this. You know, can you tell us first of all, if you can, maybe a little bit about what you're working on? I would say it's 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 IoT related. Okay. And I can give a website, a public website link. <laughs> sure. To one thing, and that is First Wave Lab dot shop okay we will make sure to drop that in the show notes too yeah, hold on i i'm not i have i'm, I'm it's oh you got more longer it's a longer url so that's a, you know what people can find it in the show notes easy peasy all right, I'll put it in there. yeah all right. we'll drop it in there so you know thinking about you know apple and then edible arrangements focusing on more like internal customers and i know that there, there were other companies in between and then kind of jumping into you know really very physical products you know, I'm I'm kind of curious what you've seen uh, over your career. Maybe some unique challenges that exist between pure physical product plays, uh, maybe what I would classify as like pure software plays, and then the intersection of the two. So the first thing that really stands out to me is meeting and talking to the people from all walks of life that own those edible arrangement stores. Mm. 
And then going to Pratt and Whitney, where it was internal, and I was talking to engineers that did amazing things, creating jet engines. Mm. And the engineer that we're talking, the engineer mindset is so incredibly different than, and their goals for what they did in their day to day was very different from the wide range of types of people that were that bought stores and were running stores. And their goals too, like I said, were mostly they were kind of shopping for their store. And the goals of the engineers was to, you know, make a jet engine safely, efficiently, you know, the quote unquote right way. Um, and to be able to access how to do that, you know, quickly and everything. I can't too, talk too much about that either. So one thing that stood out to me in the engineer mindset was just like visually on a screen, they want everything to look like an Excel spreadsheet and they don't want any space, which is like, like goes against every type of usability practice as well. And I'll, I'll say this too, that when I did learn UX, one big thing is accessibility and being American Disabilities Act compliant. And uh, I'm a huge proponent of that. Some people don't like hearing it. They're like, oh, we have to change this, that. And I'm like, yeah, you do. You know, does your it's basically saying, oh, we don't want to put a ramp on our office building. We just want to leave stairs there. It's like, you know, nobody wants to be that person that says that in a meeting. And you know, so it's like you you gotta, because you didn't, and now you gotta. So uh yeah, just just basically that mindset of a different way of thinking. So when I came on board here at uh at Delta. There are people that are doing that physical work that are making the physical components of the faucets and the and everything. And, and we were customers before I came on board with Delta too. So, you know, we love it. And there's also the tech mindset that, that I work with too, uh, you know, myself. And then there's actual developers too, which is a, to me, a different mindset. To me, it's, it's a different kind of engineer. And I'm sure all the people who code don't have a lot in common maybe with people who build a physical faucet. I'm not sure. Chelsea's smiling. So, you know, she, she's sitting there with a bunch of actual developers and it could be the same mindset. It's very, they're, they're really building things by the numbers really where we have in, in my seat, there's the end user and the emotion that they feel, you know, uh, qualitative research, this quantitative research, of course, too, in UX, People might not be able to count exactly how many seconds or minutes it took them to complete something on an app or, or a website, but they'll remember how it made them feel and how happy they were that it was a good, positive experience. They'll remember that. Or the opposite. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They'll remember. <laughs> like, That's right. Or, or hopefully we avoid those. Yeah. Don't want to make people throw this at the wall. or. <laughs> Throw the computers off the desks like that old video. So. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of thinking back. You, you know, there are things that I know now. You know, having been doing this for however many years, and um, I wish I would, I wish I would have known ten years ago. You know, what do you feel like when you were kind of embarking on this journey? You wish you would have known. Like, what's the advice you'd almost give somebody that's that's embarking on this journey now? I would say, don't take things personal. Mm. If you're coming from a design background or some sort of art background or creative background, there's certainly a heck of a lot of room for that 
in UX and UI. When I would do a painting or a drawing, you're all in it. Your emotions are in there and somebody kind of disparages it and you get very upset and, and offended and your ego gets bruised. The designs we're doing here and the UX for the users and stakeholders to meet their goals when your design doesn't work when you're testing it or a stakeholder throws some tomatoes at it, it's fine. Remove your ego from it. Don't, don't take it personal. And you're like literally back to the drawing board again to do some sketches or wireframes or whatnot, but it has to meet them. Uh, it has to make them happy, you know, or, or meet their goals and, and speak to it and prove it that it has. I've learned from that, that failure in the designs when we test them is, is better than always succeeding. You know, this, it's impossible to knock out a flow right out of the park that like everybody thinks it's great right off the bat. You, it takes a few times uh, to do that. And I, you learn more from the failure than you do the success. I'll even run it again, I'll run another test again. It's like those folks, everybody thought that was really that easy. Now, um, the first try, all right, let's, let's just run that again with a different group of people and we'll, we'll see if that's true. And sure enough, there might be a few things out of that. Yeah, I definitely learned things the hard way. So I, I, uh, that's me. Yeah. Has there been a um, surprising element to this career that you didn't expect when you first started? I didn't expect that I would be learning more about produce than I ever thought I would. I never thought I would learn more about making a jet engine than I ever thought I would learn. You asked me some details about either of those. They're pretty much gone out of my head by now. Maybe some delivery methods of produce. I remember somebody telling me and, you know, you remember the feeling when you're talking to people like the engineers that used to work on the space shuttle, because we would ask them like, what was, what was moment are you proud enough? And they would say seeing planes actually taking off, being invited to stand on the tarmac and having worked on, I mean, the space shuttle, my God, you know, to the domains. Yeah. And now I'm learning more about faucets than, yeah. I never thought I would. Um, and IOT. And IOT. Yeah, which is great, which is really cool. I mean, we've, we've got it here and in, in our home, you know, and it's funny because there's so much that is great. And there are things that I see in IOT that are awesome. And I'm like, that's great. I don't want that in my house. I have no need for that. But this other thing, oh, that's great. That we want, you know, so it all it's like anything else. Yeah. So you could have, just to sum up that last point, something that could be surprising is that you, you're you learning by being a practitioner in, in UX design, what you may not want yourself because of having some of that background, even thinking about tech. I think that's something that I can relate to too, is there's knowing how the sausage gets made, if you will, will uh, inform you and help you really think through what you own and why and what you're doing with it. And hopefully we can help our adopters and users make healthy practices with them too. Yeah. Good informed decisions. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm staying on the on this thread of being surprised. So obviously the last 18 months has been a little jarring, right? Yeah. It's been, you know, for all parties involved here. I'm kind of curious, have you seen anything in kind of in your world in the last 18 months that's been surprising or different? As far as the UX research goes? Yeah, just, a, yeah, the things that you've been working on or the dynamics in 
you know, maybe, maybe doing user research remotely. I don't know. Well, I've noticed that I'm with so many more Zoom calls that my hair is getting a lot more gray over the last 18 months than it was. That I feel you, sir. That I feel. At an accelerated rate. So my hair, my hair product keeps it looking pretty dark. Oh, lucky you. Well, and the, just, and the, and the shirt and, and the zoom filter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. All day, all day. Well, let me ask, uh, let me ask, uh, um, maybe a little bit of a different question. You know, what do you feel like, you know, UX, UI interaction, product designer, there's so many titles and roles and buzzwords how would you define user experience? I would say that the first thing that comes to my mind is solving problems through talking to people, establishing empathy. What are their goals? Where are they having trouble? Fix those points along the way. Bring it all together so it's consistent. Make sure that they can do what they need to do. Removing blockers, which is more problem solving. You know, anything getting in their way of of anything you know if you just give me a second you can actually read the full definition hold on don't go to wikipedia no i'm not um <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to my own presentation um there we go yeah. <laughs> the process of enhancing customer satisfaction and loyalty by improving the usability ease of use and pleasure provided in the interaction between the customer and the product hmm. I like that. That's, that sounds like I read that because I did. Um, so there's that definition. And then there's what I was saying. You know, there's, there's just, just make it better. And we all go through that every day in our lives. There are times where I, since I started getting into this practice, sometimes I drive my wife crazy because I'm like putting the kids in the car seat. I'm like, this, these car seats suck. This is the war. How that, there's no way to, how to, they didn't design it for a kid that's flipping out and crying and doesn't want to go in it. They put the middle thing. It's like they sit on it. Then you got to lift the kid and you're feeling up under, under your kid to pull the thing out to put, you know, and it'll pinch them. And I'm like, there's gotta be a better way to make a a car seat. That is, you know, it's gotta be the three point harness and all that, you know, up to a stage. And this has got to be better. And, and, and even now it's like, she, she says, oh, you sound like an old guy. And I'm, I look at, a, uh, I was trying to order a menu ahead of time so we could pick up the food. And there was like no button on the thing that said menu. And there was nothing that said place order. There was nothing. I didn't know that I was adding anything to any cart. There was no update with a bag icon. There was, it told me nothing. So, you know, as you, you can hear the frustration right now, <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm really trying here. And is the first time I used that app. She had used it several times before. She was used to it. She found out, so she knew. But the thing is, at first time looking at it, you should be able to do what you're going to do with no question. No, it should let you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like you're kind of you're kind of touching on kind of an interesting, uh, um, I don't know, ism. Insert in, insert buzzword ism here. This idea that when there's really bad user experience. You can tell pretty quick. Truism. Uh, there we go. Man, this thing sucks. But when something's <laughs> really good, I think sometimes I know I have a tendency of taking it for granted. I don't notice that it's really good necessarily because I just, it was, it was just easy. I just did it. You just go about your day. It's right. Isn't that, it's so yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. That's just like with things that are good in general, it's very easy to kind of slide by 
like it, having, having healthy relationships, you usually don't think about that as much until it's not healthy. <laughs> Good point. Here's the saying, uh, don't make me think, you know, uh, which is, yeah. But there, there are times too, when something is good, like it hasn't happened in a while, but I'm sitting and I'm watching a movie and like 20 minutes in half, you're like, this is really good, you know? And there could mm-hmm. be a point where they drop the ball, you know, you get, sure. um, you get some stakeholders in the film industry that mess up the last 20 minutes and like, wait, that ending had really didn't sit right all the two thirds of the way up. And that's the ending. Yeah. Somebody yeah. messed up. Yeah. Uh, oh man and watching like older films too um some things i saw for the first time and now my son's watching them and i'm like wow i remember when this came out i was sitting in the theater and this is the moment where i said this movie's great and if they keep on going this like this is great and and you're right you don't think of it that that much there's a thing i i before i i went to apple i was working in wine retail and one of the things that would be a negative connotation to a wine is that it would be forgettable. Like if it was bad, it's bad. You know, you don't like, you're not yeah, going to buy it. Yeah. But if you didn't remember that it was good, that's not good either. Oh, interesting. It's like a, like a third state almost it's not binary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Rick, really quick here. Um, you know, kind of as we, as we wrap up here, last question I like to ask everybody is what keeps you most excited or motivated, depending on how you kind of want to look at it. Something that kind of keeps you excited every morning when you get up. Um, well, other than than seeing my kids' faces. Well, that, um, I mean that no. too. You know, <laughs> this is a dealer's choice question here. Yeah, there's there's that. There's, you know, it's it's kind of like that learning about from like the fail that I mentioned before a little bit. Getting to see what you've done through the eyes of somebody that's never seen it before collaborating you start getting too close to a project and then when you start presenting what you've been working on to a group of people that maybe haven't seen it in a long time or have never seen it and you sense their excitement and they're giving you verbal feedback about how excited they are and what uh that gives you a boost where you kind of pull you so you go oh yeah this thing i've been looking at for six eight eight months a year every day I'm looking at it with fresh eyes and these fresh eyes are saying, wow. And you get that benefit, you know, and I love it too, when the designs do get validated and people say, oh, this was so easy. This is especially with, with those apps that I was working on and web apps that were internal where you'd, you'd be sitting next to people and you'd show them, they would show you, Hey, you need to fix this. And I help with fix it. With, and, and I would, do a prototype test with them. And they're like, OMG, this is so good. When is this, when is this going to come out? You know, and you start getting excited too, that you're, I'm just happy to help them and happy that I put that out there and made their lives easier in some way. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, I appreciate it very much, Rick. You have had a very interesting, uh, just career path. I've been working at Apple and then edible arrangements and then Pratt and Whitney and now at Delta, I, I love the intersection that you've been playing at. And uh, maybe when the super secret products come out, we can all learn more about them. <laughs> well, we'll make sure yes. to put the uh, the public facing URL in the show notes so folks can uh, find out about it. But I'm excited to see what comes out here soon. Thank you so much for joining us. It was great. Thanks for having me on. Um, I appreciate it. Anytime you want to chat, I'm I'm here. I'm available. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Rick. 
Chelsea, we just got done talking to Rick and had a really good conversation. You know, just to leave anybody listening to the show with a few nuggets, you know, what were what were maybe two or three things that you pulled out of that conversation that you thought were were really, really good? We got to hear a lot of his various experiences. I think that the biggest, I think the biggest takeaway, and then there's maybe some others that fall second and third, is when you are switching and you being anyone that is having a career like Rick, where there's a, there's many years and there's a career shift and um, there's a lot of different domains and levels of being practitioner, director, um, research, or like even evangelist oriented, you can get a lot of different um, methods and, and I guess insight that can kind of help you along in your next journey. It seems like he learned a lot from his past experiences and they built on top of each other. So that's what I, that's what I mostly took away. Can, can I say that in a little in a different way, just to make sure I'm, I'm tracking. So you're saying that, you know, having a diverse background, there are things that you can pull from past experience that while it may not necessarily be directly related, that tangential experience can really help you when you're diving into maybe a new discipline or a new practice. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I, I love that. I think it's so true too. I think there's a lot of people that have, that have a lot of that kind of experience, you know, almost like career shifting in some way or career, career switching. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Cause he had a, a few uh, twists and turns in his career and switching to d- a different field. Yes. You said that succinctly. And then there's a buildup of success that the, that the experiences with UX practices can show you that can make it exciting to talk about and teach about. And I kept seeing that in in his examples and in his storytelling, which naturally led him to be excited about it, um, about the field, about its effect, because he he had seen it over and over, change products, change people, change stakeholders, change business, change lives. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a couple of his more concise things that the advice, maybe, I don't know if you want to call it that, this idea of like learning from failure, you know, it's something I feel like is, is so it's talked about so often and has almost become trite, but it's still very true. At least it is for me. I don't know. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I have to learn things the hard way a lot of times, unfortunately. And, you know, go, I, you know, I choose to go this path or make this choice and it walloped over the, over the head with a two by four, metaphorically speaking. It's like, okay, that's uh, that's not the way to do that. Let's let's not repeat that. Uh, and just yeah. this idea of having thick skin, you know, like you're gonna you're gonna hear and experience things that are hard, and don't let it deter you. I think that's so true. I totally agree. I tend to think that maybe something will turn out different for me if I do some of the same things that people have even warned me about. And sometimes that's true because sometimes time and place matters and also just uh, approach being slightly different or even the person. But then at other times it ends up being, it ends up being what they warned me about. And that failure um, 
can be very specific and memorable to, to really help grow, to help grow me as a person or my, I guess my collection of experiences. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 Craft. Yeah. Skills. Mm-hmm. All of the above, all of the above. Yeah. I thought it was surprising that Rick was surprised uh, about the amount of like the the level of depth of domain experience too. I thought that was, that was really interesting. You way more than me, generally speaking, have to get so like inundated in, in a customer's world yeah. to be able to, to, to do the magic that you and fellow SEPers have to do. I've always been impressed and somewhat envious of how much uh, everybody learns about our clients' worlds, uh, almost to the point where you're effectively experts to some degree uh, in in their space. It's really, really, it's really cool how quickly you guys can do that. I also think it's cool, and I will say it's important to note that we uh, it's certainly a team understanding and effort because a lot of times there will be some to some extent we will really have a deep dive of the domain and know it's like know it's data well because a lot of what what we do in information architecture and general like workflow design demands you understand the intricacies of the data and how they relate but then that can maybe only take you so far and something the engineer finds out about calculating an algorithm that has to be made from scratch can help also fill in some gaps and pieces that you didn't know you had. So I think the team coming together to share their knowledge and understanding is crucial. I think it's, I think it's, it's so very, very true. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for joining me for this show. You've been awesome. Thanks Zach. You too. I love having a fellow extrovert and an external processor. to process verbally. Yes, me too. It helps uh, understand how things connect in um, each other's understanding. And that's, that's some, that's sometimes really cool to hear. I agree. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah.